Chapter 15, Governing Insanity. The obvious insanity we've just explored in, in the modern evolutionary belief system is certainly not resolved solely to evolution. Unfortunately, it's been, it has infected virtually everything. The irony in all this, though, is we're expected to simply accept the reigning insanity as if it were somehow sane. It would appear we've been so indoctrinated, slowly, with insane thinking that insane has become the new sane, the new normal. As a result, the truth truly has become stranger than fiction. With that thought thoroughly analyzed and embedded in our minds, the only way truth could be stranger than fiction is if we've been beguiled in accepting actual fiction as truth. The fact that our nation as a whole tolerates what's happening all around us as somehow sane leaves one to conclude we have either been cursed with a national, national plague of stupidity or truly are insane. What the world's governments are accomplishing, ours included, supposedly in their citizens' best interests, like shutting down our economy because of a 98% non-lethal virus, is tantamount to persuading us to drink poison for the sake of good health. The monster question is, how can they expect us to not notice what they're doing and accept it, as if it's a good thing? Yet amazingly, they are and have been getting away with it. When we step back to view the world from a bird's eye perspective, we can clearly see people personally and nationally repeating the same destructive behavior of past generations, yet all the while deluding themselves as somehow being wiser than their our predecessors. Again, how is such self-delusion and shameless hypocrisy even possible? Let's not forget what George Santayana so famously uttered. Those who forget history are destined to repeat it. Honestly, how can both we and our leaders behave so moronically unless we have allowed ourselves to become unwitting puppets dancing to the subconscious tune of unseen pied pipers bent on our enslavement and or destruction? Again, maybe Samuel Clemens got it right when he said, if there's anything we learn from history, it's that we never learn anything from history. It's another very familiar truism, perfectly encapsulating a definition of insanity, to keep doing the same things over and over and over while expecting different results. Again, this is exactly the behavior the nations and peoples of the world continue replicating while continuing to believe they are somehow behaving differently than their predecessors. It's exactly how our leaders have been treating the new crown or crowning virus. The mask wearing and business shutdowns are supposedly required to slower curb the virus's spread, but according to their own stats, it only made the spread worse. So what do they do? They required more mask wearing and then shutdowns. That's insanity at its finest. To illustrate the point, every nation follows the same basic pattern from birth to demise. It's a cycle from servitude or slavery to freedom usually by result of revolution, to prosperity, the result of being able to keep what we produce, to complacency, which is taking the newfound prosperity for granted and even believing it is actually owed, and then back to servitive, servitude as slaves of the state and the rich. Again, how amazing how people and nations never quite seem to learn that historical lesson. Probably no better example of insane and bizarre behavior can be found than in politics. But before getting into it, an interesting little thought to keep in mind as we continue is to notice the word politics. If we incorporate English 
meanings, politics becomes a compound word. Poly meaning many, and ticks, of course, are blood-sucking insects. Is that just a bizarre but extremely fitting coincidence? Or is someone exposing a sordid bit of humor? Hmm. With blood-sucking insects or politicians in mind, lying is the running joke. Even though lying is the established norm in politics, people foolishly continue to expect the next one to be different or better and not to deceive them, as did the ones before. Again, isn't our unfounded confidence in our government the basic essence of insanity? Maintaining the same expectations while tolerating different results? A rather interesting comment was made to the ruling and religious class of the Jews by the Hebrew Messiah a couple thousand years ago which is extremely appropriate to our time, a condition we would do well to keep in mind considering our current leadership. We find this in John 8, verses 44 through 45. There the Messiah said, You are of your father the devil, and desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. What a fitting declaration for our times. It seems it hasn't lost even an ounce of its meaning and impact in 2,000 years. With that scripture in mind, remember the reptile in the garden that sold them the immortal lie? That one was literally a god, and judging by the way things are done in this world, it is still ruling. In that vein, and worthy of repeating, one of the great communist leaders, apparently Adolf Hitler, was reported to have once quipped, if you want people to believe you, tell them a lie. He apparently also said the bigger the lie, the more likely it's to be believed. Talk about a truism. Remember what we just read, because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me, said the Messiah. In other words, tell a lie and most people will believe you, tell the truth and they won't, or most won't. If we're to give any credence to that ancient Bible passage in John, we can be sure our governments, where our governments originated and to whom they belong. The origin of their lies, lying and liars, would be, of course, an adversarial transdimensional being commonly known as the devil or devils. It would seem he or it has instituted lying as an imperative to participate in its puppet governments, including its religions. This was the subject of my previous book, Religion, Humanity's Great Hope or Angelic Hoax. This transdimensional being in another New Testament scripture is also dubbed the author of confusion. The overwhelming condition of confusion is just one more thought that's imperative to keep in mind as we stroll through this world's garden of insanity. In fact, George Orwell is reported to have quipped, Political speech is designed to make lies sound like truth. That leaves us to wonder, are our politicians really so inept, or did they simply never intend to keep their promises in the first place? Again, let's not dismiss the possibility and theme of this tome. Our seeming inept leaders are simply puppets dancing to the tune of lying higher dimensional puppet masters or order. In pursuit of that notion, we have, have had since George Washington politicians and presidents making verbal commitments such as keeping government small and unobtrusive. Yet in spite of the shining platitudes and promises of our leaders, all that ever seems to be accomplished is a progressively more burgeoning and intrusive government with ever-increasing debt. In fact, our government has mushroomed to an 
a colossal, all-consuming monster. Spending of taxpayer dollars has increased by tens of trillions, while we're still expected to trust them with their promises to reduce that frenzied spending and massive government. Of course, our present condition is what we were assured would never happen in the first place. Honestly, can we only conclude they believe us incredibly daft or shockingly gullible? Or maybe it's both. Case in point, in spite of teetering on national bankruptcy, a recent administration enacted the most massive increase of government or social spending in history. Of course, this legislation was ironically promoted in the name of saving us and our economy. Predecessors promised to cut the budget in half, but in inevitably quadruple it, sometimes in by the trillions. Honestly, that makes about as much sense as trying to douse a fire by throwing gasoline on it. It's a good thing they have instituted a debt ceiling to keep our benevolent leaders from spending us into oblivion, right? Oh wait, every administration just raises the debt ceiling to authorize even more spending. Forgive me for exercising basic logic, but what kind of a debt ceiling is one that can simply be raised every time it's reached? Are we really that stupid? I guess there must be a new definition for ceiling than the one we re thought we knew. Bottom line, how can we not conclude they are purposely bankrupting us and then ask why? Continuing in a related vein, the founders of our nation promised us they would never allow taxation such as Mary O. England had imposed to happen here. Yet our government has managed to gracefully sidestep that commitment with the passing of the Federal Reserve Act in 1913. According to a very prominent DC IRS tax lawyer who sued the IRS to pass that 100-year Federal Reserve Act, two-thirds ratification of the states was required. But according to little-known public records, it was passed just after midnight on December 24th of 1913 with only one-third of the required two-thirds ratification. Ironically, when it was enacted, most of the congressmen were home for Christmas and sleeping. The Federal Reserve, unbeknownst to most Americans, is not just part of the American government. It's neither federal, as in part of our government, nor is it a reserve. The Federal Reserve, in reality, is a private foreign banking conglomerate originally comprised of some 13 European banking families. They printed their Federal Reserve notes or dollars, which they then lent to our government, thanks to be repaired with our gold and other solid commodity. Our government seems to be playing a type of shell game where they simply keep moving the lie, that is, reducing the debt around, but never removing it, only increasing it. Yet most continue to believe they are looking out for our interests while they are confiscating ever-increasing amounts of our earnings and natural resources. Along the same lines, our supposed benevolent leaders also promised to solve the problem of the poor by passing such legislation as the New Deal, and, of course, the Social Security Act. Yet the poor masses continue to swell at an ever-increasing rate. It seems our government has become a sort of perverted Robin, or robbing hood. The dissimilarity between Robin Hood and our government is they have become the rich by extorting the working middle class and giving much of it to the unproductive and undeserving. That is, of course, after keeping an ever-increasing portion for themselves. British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher said it perfectly. Socialism is great until you run out of other people's money. <laughs> the Torah instructs us to be our brother's keeper, not to elect a socialist government to do it for us. If we were doing as the Torah instructs, that is, 
all help the poor and needy, we wouldn't need a dictatorial, social, socialistic, or communist government to do anything for us in the first place. Providing for or feeding the lazy and the unproductive only nets much more of both. Besides, it's family helping family that gives a society its foundational strength. That is said, destroy the family unit and you destroy the nation. It seems our trusted media, will, along with the global government's protection, has been accomplishing that quite successfully, I might add. It is it only a bizarre coincidence that virtually everything happening in the past 60 years seems to be designed to undermine the traditional family? Again, only coincidence, or is this being done on purpose? The undermining of the foundation of the family includes not only the government's policies of welfare for unwed mothers, but television sitcoms promoting free sex in single-parent families. Rather than teaching the Torah solution, which is self-control, and sex only in marriage, which strengthens the family unit, the government has told us it's solving a problem with sex education, beginning in grade school, birth control, and abortion. Unfortunately, as with all government intrusions, uh, the problem only multiplies ex exponentially. Now, unwed mothers, parents, and homosexuals have become the new norm, as have single-parent families. According to the government's own figures, the number of illegitimate births increased from 26% in 1990 to over 40% 20 years later. The number of um, among blacks by 2010 was the highest, over 70% illegitimate births. Speaking of children, the politicians... Uh, let's not forget the etymology of the word, politics, also promised to give all of our children a good education by spending more and more of our money on that agenda. But rather than seeing an increase in literacy, as of 2010, we had descended to a third world level of literacy. Interestingly, for anyone willing to do a little research, you'll find the rate of decline in our national literacy corresponds in exact proportion to the increasing amount of money our government spends on it. Imagine that. The ending of racism was yet another ridiculous government pledge. Rather than solve it by teaching brotherly love from infancy, as the Torah instructs, it was to be resolved with forced racial quotas and mandates by the government. But such actions have only exacerbated the problem exponentially. The racial divides have only continued to increase, as anyone with eyes can plainly see. Again, what has possessed us as a whole to insist upon placing our trust in a system and its leaders, which have a record of so miserably failing us at every turn, as a recent president did? He pledged to erase racism, but only poured gasoline on that racism problem fire instead.